Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Morning Church. Great morning to be here together. I wonder if you'd take your Bible in your hand this morning. Download it, www, my Bible. Or if you're sitting next to a real Christian, you can just put your hand on their Bible. This book is an interesting book. Um, I don't know, can you remember when you were first introduced to it? Did you grow up in a home where there was a, a Bible somewhere? The only Bible in my immediate family was the one in my spiritless grand's office where she used to run her seances. And it was there open to ward of evil spirits. I don't know, there, there, there's a, a, a clear contradiction in that statement. I remember one time at school, uh, a Christian organization came through and they were giving out Bibles. At first I was very shocked because I honestly believed that my grandmother had the Holy Bible. Because it said on her Bible, the Holy Bible. It wasn't just any Bible. It said the Holy Bible. So I got into big arguments with people about, no, no, you might have a Bible or one of the Bibles. My grandmother's got the Holy Bible. It said so on the cover. And this organization came through, and uh, I went home with a, a holy Bible. I was so chuffed. Couldn't wait to show my mom. And she uh, promptly took it, dropped it in the dustbin, and said, we'll have none of that around here. So you can probably gather from that, not much of a, a Bible upbringing or church upbringing. In fact, it's quite funny when I look back. My parents gave me a letter to... Um, Saying, stating that I was, was actually Jewish, which uh, prevented me from going to the religious instruction class. Um, so I don't know what their deal was, but growing up, uh, th- they definitely had no place for the Bible or church. So when I was working and came across a group of Christians and entered into many debates and many arguments, until the weekend they tricked me into going away for a weekend on a so-called sports weekend, YFC, I should have known better what YFC stands for. For those of you who don't know, Youth for Christ. But I knew they were going on this, this sports weekend. I went along and long story short, I had just such, I had an incredible encounter with the person of Jesus. But I want to tell you up to that point, I'd never opened this book. So someone came to me and gave me a little Gideon's. Remember the little green Gideon's Bible? This is before cell phones. So... Top pocket wasn't reserved for my, for my iPhone. It was reserved for the Gideon's Bible. And I remember at one of the early Bible studies I attended, the guy got up and started a reading out of somewhere out of the Old Testament. And I put my hand up and I said, aren't we Christians yet? Why are you reading out of the Jewish Bible? And I wasn't trying to be funny. I mean, I genuinely, that was my level of Bible understanding. But I read that little Gideon's from cover to cover to cover. To this day, I thank God for Isco in Newcastle because they paid for four years apprenticeship of reading the Bible. 
Every chance I got, I was in the toilets. Every chance I got in between jobs, I read from Matthew to Revolutions and back again. And from back up, I just, I didn't understand much because it was an old uh, um quiz, you know, the King James. But I tell you, the reading and the reading, I don't know, what, what was your first experience? Did you grow up with the Bible in the home? Did you encounter it much later? What does this book mean to you? Well, that's very interesting because over the next four weeks, I'm hoping to look at some of what this book is about and how to responsibly go about reading it. Because, you know, it's not a magic wand. And Jude went out and hung himself. Oh, oops. I remember arguing with my pastor as a young Christian. I'd encountered Jesus, I loved Jesus, but I was having a problem with the book, you know. And I remember him saying to me very wisely that the Bible, this book, Genesis to Revelations, is both human and divine. In a very similar way that Jesus said to his disciples, who do the people say I am? And they said, some John the Baptist, some Elijah, another prophet. But who do you say I am? And Peter pronounced the Messiah. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who's in heaven. And you see, there's a real sense in which the Bible is both human because there were around 40 authors over 1,500 years in 66 books that recorded the salvation journey that they had with God. It's not a magical book that fell out of a sky. God used real people. He used them in their failures and their strengths. He used them in their victories and He used them in their disappointments. But those that God moved on as he orchestrated and as he presided over in a supervisory capacity by his spirit, that an objective record of God's dealing with man from the fall in the garden right through to the return of Christ in glory. If it wasn't for this book, we would know nothing about that. God knew as well as we know we need an objective, concrete story that unpacks his dealings with us. Now, if Christianity was one of many religions, I would agree with you that this is one of many books. But when by the Spirit of God you have revealed to you that Jesus is the Messiah, that there is no other way to the Father but by him, the next step of faith is not so difficult to believe that God could actually supervise and superintend the book that would come down to this generation. Now that that leaves a whole lot of questions, but we're not going to get into this right now. We've got four Monday nights to unpack a whole lot of stuff. And yes, come early, order supper and have some fellowship. 
someone may ask me, uh, what about that scripture in Genesis that says that? What about that scripture in 1 Chronicles that says that? Well, come along and be part of this journey over the next week, few weeks, and we'll see that there is such a thing as progressive revelation. That that doesn't mean a scripture will mean today what it didn't mean then. A scripture will, will never mean today what it didn't mean then. But it does mean that in Genesis there was given a doctrine of God that if we only built on Genesis, we'd have a pretty skew and one-sided, lopsided view of God. But it's only as the progressive revealing of God through the prophets, through the apostles, through the coming of the Lord Jesus, through the appointing of the apostles, through the early church, and then the writing to the various churches in Ephesus, Colossus, uh, Galatia, that a progressive revelation of the character of God emerges against which we have to interpret the individual verse in Genesis, Samuel, the Psalm. Are you tracking with me this morning? So we've all had different experiences. You might say, yeah, Steve, do you believe that that book you're holding in your hand is, is the inerrant word of God? That simply means it's got no mistakes. Well, I'll say this, that I believe that the original penning by the Spirit to those who penned was inerrant. And I also have to responsibly and honestly admit that in translation, some things are lost. And I've looked at many of those examples, and the good news is that none of them detract or take away anything from the central message of God's salvation record as revealed in Jesus Christ. So praise God for this book. And I want to share with you in just a few minutes now a couple of reasons why I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Can we do that? And I hope this thing works. And by faith, yes it does. Hallelujah. Thanks for all those praying and interceding here this morning. The Word of God. First of all, now I want you to let these words soak. In fact, can we stand up? Can we just stand up for one minute? Lord, first of all, I want to thank you that this message we have that has come to us through this progressive revealing of your character through Scripture would grip our hearts and souls. And that we would see that this is no ordinary book. Yes, it's human, but yes, it's divine. And I pray that over these next few weeks, our confidence will be restored in the scriptures, that the message in this word would become revelation to us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. As we take our seats, why I believe that the Bible is the word of God. First of all, Jesus had a high view of the scripture. Look in John 10 verse 35 and he, he said, He's talking in a context, not going to get into the subject matter, but just a statement he made. And he called them gods whom the word of God came. And scripture cannot be broken. It was what Jesus said. 
What scripture is this he's talking about? Well, when he faces the enemy in temptation, he steps back and he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Notice he says, it is written. Say that. It is. Something was written. Something was recorded. There's an objective word of God that comes from the mouth of God. This is what Jesus said. So I'm in good company here. Christ came to fulfill the scriptures. Look in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, that's a little dashy thing on top of a word, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. You know, the Bible, a lot of people often say that, uh, you know, now that the new covenant is in place, we can just tear the old scriptures out of our Bible. Jesus didn't think so. He says it's got a, a role to fulfill. It's got a purpose to play. And when it's understood in its correct context, it's full of life and revelation. I love the Psalms. But I read them with New Testament glasses. I love reading through um, Genesis and the accounts of God's dealing with Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Jacob. But I read them through New Testament glasses and say, thank you that they have been accomplished. Jesus said it is both important to know the power of God. Come on, we want to know the power of God. And the scriptures. You see, the, the, the word without the spirit, we just could dry up. But the spirit without the word, we could just blow up. It's only when the two are together that we grow up. And Jesus said in Matthew 22, and he answered them. And he says, you're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. It's not one or the other. Jesus' words are the very words of God. Matthew 24, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words. You see, Jesus even puts his words on the same level to those that he spoke that the word of God would never pass away, referring to the prophets and the Pentateuch and the writings of Moses and the prophets. He said, my words on that same level. John 3.31, Jesus says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. For he who God has sent, Jesus, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. So from this we see that what Jesus said was very important. And those who took the message, illiterate people, and passed those words on, did it very, very strictly and in, in an audience. And those stories were told over and over 
amongst those who had witnessed the stories and would be very quick to correct anything put out of place because they acknowledged that Jesus' words were as important as the words of the prophets. And the words of the prophets, when they were transcribed and proliferated amongst the priesthood, they were written with such care that if one word on a page was misspelt or, or what wrong, they would rather burn the whole scroll than tolerate that. And we'll see over the next few weeks in one of the sessions how that that uh, transference and that scribal process took place. But at some stage, there was an abundance of letters being circulated, and we'll get into that. But Jesus says, my words are at the same level as those words. Christ himself is central to the scriptures. In Luke chapter 24, he says, he was talking to those on the road to Emmaus that bumped into him after his resurrection. And the Bible says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Christ is central to the message of salvation. From Genesis right through to Malachi, it's about preparing a people for Jesus, showing the fallenness of man that required a savior. And Jesus went to the scriptures and he started showing them. And one of the, the, the nights, we, we want to look at the symbolism of the old covenant, the types and shadows, the uh, pictures and the symbols of the old that point towards Christ. And Jesus did that. And it is an amazing journey of understanding to know that Christ is central. The theological term for that is Christ-centric. Christ is Christ-centric in the Scriptures. Jesus had a high view of the Scripture, and so should we, because these were the very words of God. Why I believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God. Because Jesus believed the Scriptures were the Word of God. And the Scriptures He had, let's look at a few of them. It says in Deuteronomy, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. God's salvation family, the community he worked through to bring Messiah, were anchored and established and told not to let this word out of their minds. I don't know when last uh, you, you read Matthew chapter 1, uh, the genealogies. Anybody? Are oh, you recently read the genealogies? That is so amazing. In fact, you should come up and be preaching this morning. <laughs> I mean... The genealogies is that first chapter where it talks about Abraham beget, Jacob beget, Isaac beget, Joseph. And it goes through the list from Adam to David, from David to Jesus, through the lineages. And it's a lot of reading that can leave you with just beget, 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 kind of spinning through your mind. But... If you only read it with this one thought in mind, that God works through a community of fathers, sons, 
and fathers and sons and father and mothers and daughters and mothers and daughters. His message comes through a community, for a community, and to a community. And that community were the people of God through which Christ came to establish a new community and his apostles. And then spiritually, fathers produced sons and beget, beget, first century, second century, third century, fourth century. We have a whole list of those who have kept the word of God and brought it to us that we can just flippantly have a book on our shelf that maybe we don't even look at in six months. That's not to put a heavy on you, but it's to say the word right now in this church is it's a good time to get back to the word of God. Amen. Jeremiah says, in the fourth year of Joachim, son of Jesh, king Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from Wikipedia. No, no. This word came to the Lord through Bible commentary. No, no. This word didn't even, it came from the Lord to Jeremiah. Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Hosea, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. Joel, the word of the Lord that came to Joel. Amos, the, thus says the Lord. These were prophets and apostles that were raised up to bring a word to a people in a cultural historic setting. That's why it's good to know what the cultural historic setting of the, the time of Joel and the time of Amos. Because a word in this book today won't mean what it didn't mean in that context. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Okay, just get used to it. Why I believe the scriptures, the word of God. Jesus did and so did the prophets. And so did the apostles. First of all, John. Jesus' beloved disciple. He says, But these things are written. Say written. So that you may, you may say, Steve, why do you always keep asking us to say things? I want to st- say words that highlight important concepts. I have all week to meditate on a lot of these things, but I get 30 minutes with you on a Sunday morning, and I want to pass to you as best as I can. And I want you to see that this language of, well, the Bible, you know, it was for a certain period, but now it's just transmitted orally, and it's only what the Holy Spirit says to me. And, you know, don't come confuse me with the Bible. You know, and it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Bible. It's just the Holy Spirit in me hearing what God wants me to do. Don't confuse me with the Bible! No. John said, these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. My friends, the gospel came to you because there's a written objective record. And when it's illuminated by the Holy Spirit, it produces life in the hearer. And these things were written so that when you hear them, faith would come to your heart. And when faith comes to your heart, you will be saved. Hallelujah. You can say amen to that. John believed Paul believed look what Paul says in Romans 15 whatever was 
written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. He also said in Romans 16.26, but has now, the message, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Now it's for all nations, not just preserved for one people group, the Israelite nation and the priesthood. No, now this message, the same prophetic writing, is for all people to bring about the obedience of faith. And Paul says to Timothy, all scripture, say all scripture, is breathed out by God and profitable for one, teaching. That's what I'm trying to do my best here this morning. And reproof, that should usually happen one-on-one, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, come on, woman of God, that doesn't exclude you, the man of God and the woman of God, so that's me, the man of God, the woman of God, may be what? Complete, equipped for every good work. That's why we need to soak ourselves and saturate ourselves. I was blessed to have Isco for four years. And then I moved on from Isco, and several years later, I had the privilege of going to Bible college. So I could get into the Word and under the Word. Just coming in here this morning, I was chatting to Donna. She says a turning, Donna from the children's church, a turning point in her life was when she did that one-year Andrew Womack Bible school and sat under the Word for a year. It was a turning point in her life. Do you turn to the Word for life? Do you go to the Scripture for encouragement? Do you go to the scripture for teaching and reproof? Do you go to the scripture and allow it to correct you? Thanks, Doug. Do you allow it to correct you without trying to panel beat it into your little frame of reference? That's why we need to responsibly go to God's word. And let the word be true and let every man be a liar. Amen. My engines are revving up as I speak. I can feel it. It's coming on me this morning. Oh, glory. The word of God is powerful. Amen. Why believe in the scriptures? Listen now, Peter. Peter comes on the scene. And he says, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who wasn't born yet, who became a guard to those who arrested Jesus. So Peter recognizes that this is no ordinary scripture that the Holy Spirit spoke. And that even on David, a prophetic word was given that would only have a future fulfillment. He goes on in verse 25. The word of the Lord remains forever. 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 And this word is the good news that was preached to you. How do you know what the word of the Lord is? It's the good news. And it's the good news that gets preached 
proclaimed the life, the death, the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who came from heaven's wonders and lived amongst fallen man and lived the perfect life you and I could never live and died the death we could never die so that he could go into the regions of hell and arrest Satan with the keys of death and hell and Hades and arise triumphantly and bring hope to a man and say in a little while I'm sending my Holy Spirit and he'll come on you and I'll be inside you and we'll be together until the glorious day. That message, my friend, that is preached to you week after week in your growing years, through if you are fortunate enough, is the Word of God. Peter says in the, his second letter that you should remember the predictions of the Holy Prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles and write them in your mind. Peter recognized that, Peter, that Paul's writings were scripture elsewhere. These scriptures that have come to us, these words, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Pay attention. I know the last time you heard that was when you were at school. Come on now. Robbie, pay attention. Come on. Pascal, pay attention. That's how the teacher got your attention. Paul's trying to do the same thing here. He's saying, you need to pay attention because some of you are letting your minds wander off from things that are not true. And you need to come back to what the Word of God establishes. Some of you need to take responsibility for where you're letting your thoughts run. And pay attention. Because this Word is a light. And it will come in to the dark places. And the day dawn and the morning star will rise. Isn't that beautiful language? Knowing that first of all, he's continuing here. Knowing that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then the final Scripture. Why I believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God. Because Jesus did. Because those that He referred to in the Old Covenant did. Because the apostles did, and the author of Hebrews, whoever that was, also did, when he said, For the word of God is living and active, sharper, say sharper, than any two-edged sword, because it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. We need a division between soul and spirit at times. Our soul is so fickle. Our feelings, emotions, and thoughts so easily uh, Entangled. But the word of God is sharp. It pierces and discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow. Lord, thank you. Because I believe that I only knew you, Jesus, by revelation. That you weren't just human. Although you were human. 
But I know by revelation that you're also divine. There has to come a time in my life where I believe that if I really believe that, that I can have enough faith to believe that this message you spoke about through the writings of the apostles and prophets, through your apostles, can be trusted, can be believed, and will bring life. In Jesus' name. Let's stand up for a moment. What I loved about this morning is there was a very clear sense in the worship of a, of a time of the oil of the Holy Spirit. You see, the oil of the Holy Spirit's not different to the message of the Bible. When the two work together, it is powerful. Acetylene on its own just gives you a puffy yellow bellow of flame. Oxygen on its own doesn't do much. But you, some of you know when you put those two together. The word without the spirit will just cause you to probably be dry. The spirit without the word will blow us in all different directions. But can you say after me this morning, Lord, your word is a light unto my path. You have exalted your word, even above your name, because your word is true. I thank you for this revelation of this gospel that came to me through these scriptures. And now, Lord, I pray for every person in this place. That over the next few weeks, their confidence in the Word of God will increase. Their love for the Word would increase. Their devotion to the Word would increase. That your understanding of the Word would increase. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words, Abide in you. Ask whatever you will. We've had a season of talking about prayer and hopefully our confidence in prayer has been brought to a new level. My friend, when we take the word and we put the word, when we take prayer and we put the word of God in it, it's a formidable weapon. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Based on this good news that I've preached, let me say to you, if you've never ever been born again, please don't leave here today without a prayer of receiving Christ's work for you. It doesn't mean you've got to join this church. It doesn't even mean you've got to necessarily go to church yet. I mean, I just want to make sure you meet the head of the church, Jesus Christ. So if that's you in your heart this morning, would you just pray a very simple prayer of receiving? If you're not born again, right now, say after me in your heart, Lord Jesus Christ, you are 
the Messiah. You were crucified, you were buried, and you rose on the third day. And you are seated in glory until you come to receive your bride, your body. I believe. You see, my friend, that's all he asks. He loves you just the way you are, but he's not going to leave you just the way you are. But you don't change your life. You don't get all cleaned up to come to him. He cleans you up so you can get to him. And that happens when you put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that faith comes by hearing the word. And if this morning you say, faith came to my heart, I want to extend a prayer to you, my friend. I want you just to look up at me, make eye contact. In a moment, I'm going to look in your direction. And if I look at you and you're identifying, I want you just to lift your hand up high enough so I know who I'm praying for. Okay, Any, thank you, ma'am. Keep your hand up for a moment. Anybody else here? If you're looking at me right now, you say, yes, I pray that, I mean it. I believe faith has come to my heart. Anybody else on this side? Anybody in this middle section? If you're looking at me right now, just, I want to give you the privilege. And I want to have the privilege of praying with you. Anybody on this side of the church? Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want to ask those three people, when I close the service, please don't run away. Come to the front. We want to meet with you just to pray with you for five minutes. We won't keep you long, but we need to pray with you. Just lay hands and believe with you. To everybody else, are you in agreement with me? That our confidence in God's word is going to rise, our understanding, and then our being able to pass it on to other people. Amen. 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 We we got a few minutes, and we're going to sing out to the song Dave's got for us. <laughs> it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's our breath in our lungs. So we pour out your praise, pour out your praise, bread in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise, it's your bread in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you, oh If there's anyone who needs prayer for whatever reason, pray into your family, into your business, to health issues. You're also welcome to come after now. You come now and someone will pray with you. Anyone needing prayer? We don't want you to leave if you need prayer today. Okay, thank you. Yes, Lord, indeed, it's a prayer.
Working all things out. Yeah.